If you would, please turn over to 1 Timothy 1. Since I missed the last two weeks, I'm going to go a little bit out of order, and we're going to do the next installment in the series entitled, Jesus Wasn't Talking to You. This week is actually the 20th lesson, so if you ever wondered about my powers of being long-winded, I've now got 20 sermons on a book that's not more than 30-some pages long. But um, So we're now something like eight months into this, and I'm happy to report that the offer still stands. Actually, where did my copy go? No matter where you are in the world, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can get a free copy of this booklet sent to you from our assembly, from the kind people here who have been so generous, and actually people around the world who have sent in donations to support sending this little booklet around the world. I just got a picture, a couple of pictures in my inbox yesterday of a person who got their copy in Kenya this week. And it's, it's literally been all around the world. But, you know, I, I had to sit there and just kind of chuckle when I was thinking about this. Here we are, a little assembly which bans tithing. <laughs> doesn't pass offering plates, and yet we're able to to send these things around the world. And I say, that's great. People say, you don't do tithing. How do you get money? Mature believers support the work. That's how we get money. But as we move on this week, the last time that we did a lesson, we talked about the church, the body of Christ, And we're trying to see rightly dividing the scriptures. When we look at the body of Christ compared to Old Testament Israel and New Testament Israel, we see, I tried to point out that there are problems, that we need a new pattern to follow. And that pattern we found in 1 Timothy 1.16. And it says, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first... Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. So we see Paul declaring himself to be the pattern. And Paul first. And that is a big, it's a little word there. Me first. Paul wasn't the first follower of Jesus, was he? So when we're looking through our Bible and we run into people like me who used to say, well, it's all the same thing starting in Matthew 1. Well, no, that can't be or that verse isn't right. Christ started something new with the Apostle Paul. And where we're at in the booklet, if you got your copy, we're still at the bottom of page 21. And there's a question here. At the bottom of page 21, it says, Are you determined to continue to take the place of a Jew and listen to Christ when he wasn't talking to you? Or will you learn from Christ through Paul that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, but a new creature? And that's what I want to drill down on this week, the new creature. Before we do that... I want to ask a question. Have you ever in your life referred to yourself 
or heard people refer to themselves as born-again Christians. Okay? We've all heard that concept. Anybody refer to themselves today as a born-again Christian? Nobody wants to answer. What's that? You are adopted. Amen, amen. Now, I was raised... The born-again is not so much as popular. That language isn't quite as popular as it was when I was a kid back in the 80s. All of you are looking at you young pup. But... The born-again people, it differentiated groups of Christians from each other. So you have the Christian family, and what makes them Christian is they've got that big white family Bible. You know what I'm talking about? It's like six inches thick. And they get it out every time somebody gets married, somebody dies, or a baby's born. You've got that kind of a Christian family, right? And then you've got the Christians that have the zip-up covers for their personal copy of their Bibles, and they're stocked with highlighters and a little ruler so they can underline. Those weird, freaky people that carry their Bible with them places, and they read it and mark it, those were the born-again people, right? Yeah. So it's... Regular Christian versus born again. Or you have the kind of Christian that, well, what are you? I'm Christian, I guess. I'm not Muslim. I'm not Jewish. My dad was an Episcopalian. Well, I guess I'm a Christian. That person versus those crazy people who are out passing out tracts and literature to people. Those people are nuts. Those are the born again people. So you're familiar with the concept. I used to, when I was doing service, I used to have to do service for the company I would work for. And one of the things I never, ever wanted to see was a statue, a religious statue in the front lawn. I don't know what the correlation is, but 100% of the time, if you go to a house that has a religious statue in the front lawn, they're going to be a nightmare of a customer to deal with. Amen, amen, amen? We call them lawn gods. I'd get out of the truck and look, oh, no. There's a lawn god. But, that, you know, there's those kinds of Christians, they may have a statue or, a, you know, a, a cross somewhere in their house. And then there's the kind of Christians that are hosting Bible studies and youth groups in their home. Those are the born-again type people. But what they're really saying when they're saying I'm born again is I'm saved and I don't know about you. Anybody ever do that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're the born again folks. They're saying I'm really saved. I'm the real deal. You may be just a Christian in name only. That's how born again was presented. Now, Are you saved? I hope everyone in here is saved. Are you born again? What if I told you that if you're saved, if you've trusted the gospel, 
Christ's payment for your sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Christ died, He was buried, He rose again the third day as complete payment for your sins. If you've trusted that and you're saved and you're a member of the body of Christ, there is no way in the world that you are born again. Nobody's looking at me like I just grew a second head. You must be familiar with some of this material. A new creature. The new creature is not Israel born again according to prophecy. It's something new. Ephesians 3.9, according to the fellowship of the mystery. Mystery is the opposite of prophecy, isn't it? Secret versus known. Now, we're not Catholic. We don't have a jack-in-the-box here. But I want to make... Father jack-in-the-box. I want to make a confession. Every single time I've tried to teach this material in my life, I've walked away feeling like I failed. Like I didn't communicate my point. So I'm going to try something different, a different illustration this time, to try to teach this material. But when I say to people, no, you're not born again, you're a new creature, I get a different kind of a look. Normally people look at me when I try to show them something in their Bible, they look at me like I'm splitting hairs. When I try to teach you're not born again, but you're a new creature, people look at me like I'm splitting atoms, not hairs. What are you even talking about? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Everybody knows if you're born again, that means you're the real deal. That's what I get. So I'm going to try a different illustration this time. What I'd like to do first, if you can look, turn over to the book of John. I want to look at every verse in the Bible that talks about being born again. Well, I just had to be done by dinner, right? Hmm? Well, you think you're going to get a three points a poem and a joke? No. We're studying the Bible here. Look at John 3.3. 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the first one. Look down to verse 7. Here's the second one. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. That's two. How many more do you think there are? One. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Perfectly matching what Jesus was saying back in John. Now, in Linda's defense, she said there was a lot more. There is, it's worded a little bit differently. It's born of God, born of him, begotten of God. There's a lot of those, especially in the first, second, and third Johns. But there's only three verses that talk about being born again specifically. Now, does anyone see, we've looked at all three verses in the Bible where born again is. Does anyone see an issue yet? 
I hope somebody sees an issue. This is now the 20th lesson where we've talked. Jesus wasn't talking to us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I didn't find one Pauline verse there talking about being born again. What about Peter? Some people think First Peter, Second Peter, that's all written to the body of Christ. Is Peter talking to us? Do you know how you know that? If you still have First Peter, look at chapter 1 and verse 9. The people Peter is writing to don't have their salvation yet. You see that? Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The salvation of our souls as the church, the body of Christ, that's the start of our faith. Amen. The first thing we do is believe we're dirty, rotten sinners with no hope and we need Christ. Hallelujah. So you see, that's different. The other thing, if you look at uh, verse 19 there in 1 Peter 1. Or wait a minute. Verse 10, I'm sorry. The salvation he's talking about, is that a mystery? No, it's been prophesied. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. That means we can't be part of the you. All right? But all, okay, so you saw those verses. You all are kind of familiar with this concept. But all your life, all my life, what we heard is you need Jesus. You need to get born again, and when you get born again, He makes you a new creature. And you stop all your bad habits, and you start good habits. And most importantly, you start tithing regularly, not on the net, on the gross. And yes, your capital gains need tithed on, and yes, your investments, and your 401k. Amen, amen, amen. But that's what you hear. Born again, new creature. Born again, new creature. It's all the same thing. That's why people look at me like I'm splitting atoms when I say, no, you're not born again. You're a new creature. So that's what we're fighting against. Where do they get the new creature reference? Who talks about a new creature? Sounds mysterious? We've looked at every born-again reference. I promise to get you out by dinner. Let's look at every new creature reference in the Bible. Galatians 6.15. You don't think you should pay the government before you pay the Lord, do you? That's how you get tithing on the gross and nothing that. Galatians 6.15 For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. Do you know what startling news that would have been to Abraham? Circumcision avails nothing. That's not what God told Abraham, was it? The male of your people who does not circumcise his flesh, he shall be cut off. Paul's coming out saying, look, that's not an issue anymore. 
The only thing that matters is what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ and his payment for your sins. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. That's one. How many more? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Again, there are lots of other verses describing it, but I'm looking for just the phrase, new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You start showering, you start dressing nicer, you start going to church, you wear long sleeves to cover up all your tattoos. Is that what that verse is talking about? That's what I thought the verse was talking about most of my life. There's a lot more in that verse. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. What's an old thing? Circumcision covenant? The law? Israel? New creature means we're starting something fresh that we've not done before up until now is what God's saying. It's a lot bigger than whether or not you got a shower and showed up on church on Sunday. Yes. Especially... When we get on full Sundays here, I would appreciate it if everybody showered at least a couple of days before you show up. <laughs> so what I want to do, because I felt like a failure so many times, I've dreamed up a new illustration to talk about this. I want to try to communicate something visually to you that will help understand the difference between being born again and being a new creature. And... The first thing I have here, what do we got there? That's right. The first Corvette, 1953 Corvette. Beautiful sports car. They made them all white with a red interior. It had a massive 150 horsepower six-cylinder engine. Two-speed transmission. It could go zero to 60 in 11 seconds. Do you know how fast my little family hauler out there can get to 60? Seven. (laughs) But this car had a top speed of 108 miles per hour. The classic Chevrolet Corvette, American muscle. The first one. Okay? Number two. What do we have there? Another Corvette. Anybody ever drive a bright yellow car? Yeah? I need to do that. This one is a 19... Yeah, school bus. <laughs> this is the 1970 Chevrolet Corvette. 
By now, they had developed the big block V8 engine. 454 that put out 390 horsepower V8. I drove a vehicle that had that engine in it. <laughs> it's something. This one now could go 0 to 60 in 7 seconds and a top speed of about 150 miles per hour. All right. They're both Corvettes, aren't they? Nineteen seventy, nineteen fifty-three. This one is not the original, is it? But it's not a Dodge. It's a Chevrolet Corvette. But it's not the original one. It's updated. It's improved. Would it be too much of a stretch for me to say this is a born-again Chevrolet Corvette. It's still got the same name plate, same manufacturer, it's still a Chevy Corvette, but it's new and improved, born-again. Would it be wrong to say this is a completely new line of car? It's not a new line of car, it's just the updated Chevy Corvette. It's the born-again Chevy. In that way, let's look at some scriptures. We're going to use Chevy Corvettes to talk about Israel. Well, you never thought of that? Look at Exodus chapter 4. Exodus 4 and verse 22, this is when Moses is trying to get out of the job. Remember? You're not going to believe me, God. I can't really talk that well. I don't want to. God gets a little bit mad at him. But in Exodus 4, 22, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. Even my firstborn. That's a long way before Matthew, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I say unto thee, Let my son go. You've got to say it like Charlton Heston. Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Who does the Bible define as the firstborn son, the nation Israel. Under, he says, let them go that they may go out and serve me. What did that look like? Flip forward a few pages to Exodus 19. We are about to read one of the biggest lies in the Bible. 
The Bible accurately records lies. Did I say that clearly enough? The Bible accurately records lies. Remember the booming mountain and all that? 19 verse 5, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for all the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded them. And the people said, there's no way we can do that. (laughs) Is that what they said? And all the people answered together and said, yep, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. There's one of the biggest lies ever told in the Bible. Oh, did you not read the rest of the Old Testament? Did, that, did they do all that? All those books that you knew? They failed miserably. Hence, we get John 3. Firstborn son, ye need to be born again. Because they had that law covenant over here. in their Old Testament, and they failed, hashtag fail, and then we get John 3 and 1 Peter talking to Israel again about being born again. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. You hate the these and thous in the Bible. I know you do. I love them. Because they are much more specific than our corroded, crummy languages today. I'm talking to you. Am I talking to you or am I talking to you? Or am I talking to all of you? We don't know. But if I say I'm talking to thee... Everybody in the room knows I'm talking to one person. Because thee is for one person, ye is for all y'all. Right? Marvel not, Nicodemus, leader of Israel, that I say unto thee, one guy, ye, all y'all, must be born again. That's what the verse says. Is he talking to filthy, rotten Gentiles who are enemies and strangers from the covenants of promise? Aliens from the commonwealth of it? The only people in the world who are candidates in John 3 to be born again are the people that was the firstborn son. Would you call this a born-again Corvette if it said Ford Focus on the nameplate? What about Dodge Dart? Dodge Dart's not really a candidate to be the born-again 1970 Corvette, is it? 
born again. That means that you're done with the law, right? Is that what born again means? That's another thing I was taught. You're born again. You're a new creature. Now you're under grace. You're not under the law anymore. The great Spanish prophet said, No way, Jose. <laughs> Cousin of Malachi. <laughs> Is born again Israel free from the law? No. New Testament, and this is one thing that I had to have drilled through my rather thick skull. Israel is always associated with that law. Whether it's Old Testament Israel or New Testament Israel, they are, have that law covenant. Do we need to turn to Jeremiah 31 squared? Have I worn that out in your Bible already? Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah and all the Methodists. No. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, fail. This shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my grace in their inward parts. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Prophesied, that's the other thing, is all this is prophecy. The old covenant, the new covenant was prophesied. I will put my law in their inward parts. Ezekiel 36, 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. He will write the law on their hearts. The Spirit will... You'll, those people will naturally wake up in the morning and love their neighbor as themselves. Something none of us have ever done one day in our lives. You may have lied about it, but there is not one person in this room who loves their neighbor as much as you love yourself. What, no amens? How many of you can recite the Ten Commandments verbatim? Probably zero. But I was told this was talking about us in Jeremiah 31. I was told Ezekiel 36 was talking about us. There's a few more than ten, isn't there? A little over 600 more. So this isn't happening for you. So let's go back here to this car analogy. God tells Israel in Exodus 19, Israel, if you can produce 390 horsepower and go from 0 to 60 in 7 seconds with a top speed of 150 miles an hour, you'll be a peculiar people unto me. You'll be a nation of priests. And all Israel says, yep, we'll do that. Meanwhile, that's all they got. 
I'm sorry. This car is not producing 390 horsepower. There's no way you can do that with this car. But all Israel says, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> and they fail. You can't get that kind of performance out of an inline six that produces 150 horsepower. But what if God puts the big block 454 V8 into Israel and causes them to be able to go 0 to 60 in 7 seconds and have a top speed of 150 miles an hour. That will work, won't it? That's the difference between Old Testament Israel and New Testament Israel. And that is the reason when you read the early part of the book of Acts, you actually see communism working. The only way a commune can survive is if God is supernaturally causing people to love their neighbors as themselves, because otherwise it's a failure, isn't it? The born again, so that's the born the first time people and the born again people illustrated with Corvettes. What about the new creature? See, I got one more over here. The new creature. What if I was standing in the showroom in 1970 and the salesman was showing me the born again Corvette and telling me all about the performance of the new Corvette? I said, wow, zero to 60 in seven seconds. That's pretty good. But you know what I want? I think I want a car that can go zero to 60 in two and a half seconds. I want a car with a top speed of 250 miles an hour. And I don't want, you know, this is great, you know, but I want this car to be a luxury car. I want seats of leather that are hand sewn. I want a leather wrapped steering wheel. I want a digital dashboard. I want a computer that controls the entire car. So the, it knows exactly what speed I'm going. And the car, when I get going faster, it automatically stiffens up the suspension and lowers it down to the ground so it has more downforce. And the computer deploys the spoiler out of the back to keep the car from flying off the road. I want all that. Where can I get that in 1970? What's the guy in the showroom going to say to me? <laughs> That's what he'd say. Um, a computer is as big as a refrigerator. How are you going to put a refrigerator in a sports car and have it go faster? Huh? What are you talking about changing the suspension while you're driving? I, it would com be completely poor. You can't go 250 miles an hour. You'd need 16 cylinders and 1,000 horsepower to go 250 miles an hour. It's not possible. That's what he'd say. Right? Oh, and I want an automatic transmission with all-wheel drive with a shifter that changes gears in less than 150 milliseconds. Huh? That would be this car. This is the Bugatti Veyron. 
If you have an extra $2 million, you can have one of your own. You want to pay more? <laughs> this, if we're in 1970 talking about a big block V8, everything I just said talking about this car, that doesn't exist. It's not possible. There's, there's not anything on the planet that does that. You need something new if you would ever want to do that. You need a new creature. How many parts in a Bugatti Veyron do you suppose they borrowed from this car? How many parts did they borrow from this car? Big fat zero, right? They had to invent everything new. They had to invent things that didn't exist before to get a car to do this. That's what the Godhead did when the Godhead revealed the mystery and dispensed this dispensation of grace and made this new man with a new purpose and a new destiny, a new spiritual body, all one in Christ. Jew and Gentile don't matter. That is as earth-shattering as what God did when he revealed that mystery 2,000 years ago. The angels didn't know about it. Nobody outside the Godhead knew. You read Ephesians, when you start making this known, angels are looking into this. The manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church in heavenly places. And it is a luxury car, too, by the way. All that carbon fiber and chrome inside is... They made a new class of cars. They used to call them supercars when I was a kid. Now they call them hypercars. Yeah, and unlike dispensationalism, hyper actually is a good thing in hypercars. But the performance, the things inside this vehicle, they just sold the tires and the rims on one of these for $100,000. The technology in this didn't exist in 1970. It was a mystery. None of the engineers at Chevy in 1970 knew how to make this happen. This was a mystery to them. Zero to 60, 2.5 seconds, 1,000 horsepower, top speed, 250 miles per hour. I saw a test run by a professional car driver, and they took it on a closed track up to its maximum speed. They hit 253 miles an hour. And the comment from the person was, normally when you take these supercars up to their top speed, they're vibrating so bad they feel like they're going to fall apart. He said when he drove that car, 
It felt smooth the entire time. That's not going to happen with this one, is it? When you're burning rubber and just the exhaust, the noise from the exhaust is rattling the whole car. It's a mystery. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. Well, verse 2 actually. We've already seen that in this mystery, in this body, there's no such thing as Jew or Greek. Circumcision doesn't avail anything. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Can I point out that until the moment any of us were exposed to any Pauline teaching, we spent our entire church lives knowing nothing about that. The verse wasn't written last Tuesday. I spent two and a half decades as a denominational churchian. I never knew there was anything special about Paul. Which in other ages, Corvette, Corvette, was not made known unto the sons of man as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Something that no one in the world dreamt of or imagined. Something that's not an old thing born again. Something that is brand new and Paul was the first person on the planet to hear about it. That's what's going on with the new creature. According to this mystery. You want to prove that whatever the new creature is, it cannot be born again Israel in one verse? Okay. Galatians 3.28, we already talked about it. There is no such thing as Jew or Greek. There's neither bond or free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. There's your verse. Can you fit that square peg into that round hole? You're not under the law, but you're keeping all the law. You're not under the law, but he's written the law in your hearts, and you're walking in the statutes and judgments all the time. Doesn't work, does it? They need to be rightly divided. Jesus wasn't talking to us about being born again. He was talking to his firstborn son, Israel. Romans 6.14, you're not under the law, you're under grace. Well, that won't work. People go crazy if you tell them they're not under a law. You just you think grace will abound if you continue in sin? What? Yeah, God forbid, right? 
What constrains somebody who's not under the law? Someone who's been forgiven all trespasses and is not under the law. What keeps you from going crazy? 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians five and verse fourteen. You all there? Does it read for the law of Christ constraineth us? It's not what it reads, does it? The love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Does that describe every Christian you know? Is love a more powerful motivator than rules? What will you do for love that you won't do for a rule? All you people who went five miles an hour over the speed limit on the way here. You know you did. Oh, it was 10? Love is a more powerful motivator. The love of Christ constraineth us. We who were not a part of the born the first time or the born the second time people, we who were aliens having no hope in God who is great in mercy grants us grace, mercy, and peace that we didn't deserve. We love Him for that, don't we? Who's the apostle that talks more about Thanksgiving than anybody else in the Bible? So we're grateful. We love. And because we're so grateful, because we love, even though we're not under the law, whatever we do, we do all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we do? I know I've done the illustration where I show the bullseye versus the box. When you put somebody in a box with rules, someone like my son, where's he going to be? All the way at the edges. Pushing at all the edges. God tells us as the church, the body of Christ, hit the bullseye. All you do for the glory of God, hit that bullseye. That is the constraint and the motivation. That's a little bit different than law, isn't it? What about... I know I've worn this verse out in your Bibles. What about being forgiven all trespasses? You being dead, this is Colossians 2.13, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you most trespasses. That's not what it says. It says all trespasses. What about your complete in Christ? Think about that one for a minute. You, we all know our past. We all know all the sins we've committed. This week, 
and the week before, and the week before that. You are complete in the head of all principality and power. You are complete in Christ. Think about that when you walk in and says, no, no, you, you can't serve God until you do X. Or until you sign this. Or finish that. Or change this. Or get rid of that person. You are complete in Christ. There's no power higher. It's a little bit above the President of the United States. You're complete in Christ. Now, seeing the differences, let's go back and read the start showering verse again. And cover up your tattoo verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, you're not driving a Corvette. Uh-uh. We're talking about a whole different animal here. We're talking about something nobody ever knew about when they were building that. Or when they were building that. This is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things new. Do you see it's so much bigger than you and what you're wearing and how you smell? This is talking about what God has dispensed. God put out this gospel. The gospel of the grace of God. Peter preaches the cross as a terrible, wicked thing to be repented of in Acts 2. God tells Paul, no, this is the means by which I can offer my grace and peace to all. Tell them to trust what I did. This death, burial, and resurrection. A new gospel, new doctrine. How many times during this series have we looked at doctrines in this part of our Bible versus this part of our Bible that are opposite? All things are new. The doctrine's new. Your pattern is new. We looked at that at the very start. God's greatest enemy, Saul of Tarsus. Threatenings and slaughter. You know that guy. He didn't get the wrath due him. He got saved? Huh? Can you imagine being an angel in heavenly places? You know, you got all the prophecy. You know, here we are, marching along the prophetic timeline. Hey, where's the Lord going? Oh, he's going towards Saul. Maybe he's going to wipe him out. Get him! What? You saved him? What? They didn't know anything about this. It was a mystery. You have a whole new, all things new. How about you have a new destiny? You're not going to be standing on the earth with the Lord and the earth, the kingdom. You're going up. Hallelujah. Heavenly places. The first person in your Bible that wanted to die and go to heaven was Paul. I never knew that. Wow. 
it's all about this new creature is all about what God has done, what God has done, and what God is doing through the church, the body of Christ. So why was it taught to me that it means I stop cussing? Should you stop cussing? There's a lot more in the verse than that. Jesus wasn't talking to you. You're still in 2 Corinthians 5. Look at verse 16. That's another remarkable verse. I'm almost done. Verse 16, Wherefore henceforth? Uh. You don't like that version, do you? I'm sure it is. Wherefore henceforth? Can I translate that into dumb 2019 American English? Because of that, from now on, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What does that mean? Where was Christ in the flesh? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're not doing that anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, what in the world then? If we're not following Christ after the flesh, we need a new pattern, don't we? Where did we get that? 1 Timothy 1.16. Is a child of the king in the kingdom different than an ambassador slightly one is in his home country serving his king in his home the other is away from his home isn't he are we ambassadors or in a kingdom So this new creature is supposed to be ambassadors. That means that where I'm standing right now and where all of you are sitting, we don't live here anymore. We're working here. We're operating here. We're doing our job here. But this is not our home, is it? Our home is heavenly places. That's why you're supposed to set your affection on things above. Still in 2 Corinthians 5 and we'll be done. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by being born again, by joining Israel, by doing the law and keeping the covenants and keeping your church service up to date. It's not what it says. By the work of Christ Jesus, by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of condemnation and clean up America for Jesus. Hmm. I had cut out a lot of the sermons I heard as a kid then. So that's what I heard, condemnation and clean up America for Jesus. We're supposed to be ambassadors of reconciliation. You know what that... I just watched a, a video about the SEAL team that killed Osama bin Laden. Up until the bullets went through his brain, God's grace and reconciliation was available to that monster. You want to sing about amazing grace. Sing about that. 
to wit, ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Not imputing trespasses, but preaching reconciliation? That's not what they were talking about here. They were talking about wrath and judgment, weren't they? So it's a different gospel, a different orientation, a different message, a different destiny. Now it's a different heart. Grace, peace to all. It's available. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's the new creature. That's something... None of these people heard about or knew about something none of these people heard about or knew about. They are two very different things, born again versus the new creature. So hopefully I was able to split the atom, this time with Corvettes and Bugattis. <laughs> That's all I have today. It's, oh, let's do our new pattern. We will close in prayer. The folks who need to leave, feel free to leave. Folks who want to stay and talk and discuss, feel free to do that as well.